0: 1,214 years for capital murder in Red Onion State Prison in Pound, Virginia, in the USA. And this is my podcast, Red Onion Randy. Hope you enjoy listening to me today. I got a call uh, on my voicemail. Um, they left no name, but here's what they said.
1: Um, I have two questions. What's a day in your life? Like, could you give us, like, a rundown of, like, you know what a normal day for you looks like, like a lot of people would think, well, you're just sitting in the cell, there's not much to do, but you know, I've been incarcerated myself. Uh definitely not as long as you have, um or been in solitary confinement, but you know uh what what's the schedule look like for you as a ex convict. Um, I know that you know there's things that you have to do throughout the day to keep yourself occupied, and everyone has a different regimen. So yeah. Also, another question would be, how do you keep from, like, going insane? You know, like I I, I know a lot of people they go insane on twenty thirty one, but you know, you seem to have a sound mind. You, um, and I know that can be hard.
0: A typical day for me is I have a little Tomex Ironman watch. Uh, you know, I have it has three different alarms on there, and uh, I set an alarm for 5:10 in the morning. And I get up. Um, I've already pre-made my breakfast, which is two packs of oatmeal. Um, I'll eat half of that. You know, I'll wash up, get myself ready, and everything, and then I'll I'll kneel in front of my bed on a blanket that I have folded up specifically for that purpose. Um, and I'll pray for somewhere between usually 40 to 60 minutes every morning. Um, The reason why I choose to do it at that time is to put God first in my life. Um, There's a verse in the Bible that says, Seek his kingdom and his righteousness first, and all these things will be added unto you. So that's what I do. Plus, you know, the pod is quiet during that time, Um, especially when the top tier comes out. The pod that I'm in is a general population pod, but it's it's split into two different sections. You have the bottom tier, which is all single cell, which is where I'm at. I'm on the bottom tier. I have a single cell. I've been in the cell by myself for over 16 years. The top tier is double cells. There's, there's two people per cell on the top tier. Um, and they're for the most part, they're a bunch of the young, fake-ass, wannabe gangbangers. The guys on the bottom tier, with the exception of one or two, are guys who have put in work before. These are guys who have stabbed people. These are guys who are dangerous. These are guys who actually will do something. Top tier, nah. Most of them are running. Most of them are hiding. They can't really go anywhere else. So they tend to put them over here with us, and they are freaking loud as hell. So... You know, I like to get up earlier in the morning, even though I'm not a morning person. I hate the mornings. I despise morning time. It is the worst time God ever created, as far as I'm concerned. Um, I know some people love it. I am not one, but I make myself get up anyway, and I make myself pray because it's quiet, it's peaceful. I can pray, I can, I I talk to the Lord. You know, I, I, I pray for His will you know, I, I, re- I really don't pray a lot for myself. About the only thing I really ask for is just you know, spiritual enlightenment, continued growth on my path, things of that nature. And it usually takes me up to around five to ten minutes after six. Then, you know, I get up, I wash my hands and everything, and uh, usually about that time, they're popping doors for us to come out for breakfast. Um, now, I have a pod feeder job. So, on a break i come out and i work i'll, I'll pass out the trays we'll take them out to the car counter make sure they're right you know we'll pass them out to the guys you know make sure that they get the right trays you know you got some guys want to come down and try to steal trays extra trays yeah, that ain't happening out with me so you know i do that uh on one break and uh the other break i don't work they got they got two other people working on that break but i'll come out and i'll get my breakfast you know and i'll, I'll go back in um And I'm on, uh, I don't eat a regular tray anymore. I'm not on that diet anymore. I'm on a Jewish Orthodox tray. So for breakfast, we get this little container of either oatmeal or farina. Um, I don't eat the farina. I just, I don't like it. It's just the consistency of it just does not go well with me. So I usually just give that away to somebody. Um, The oatmeal, I'll save, uh, you know, we'll either either get uh, two packs of peanut butter we will get two boiled eggs it's already been peeled which i don't eat now i like boiled eggs but i'm only going to eat a boiled egg if i'm the one that peeled it i just for some reason i find it extremely gross and nasty to eat a boiled egg that's already been peeled It just no i won't do it or every now and then they give us these little black trays it's got like you know a plastic seal over it uh, of the, just this little like powdered egg omelet which isn't too bad you got to take it in uh you know, once you open it up, you gotta take like a big water of toilet paper and press down into it to get a lot of the water out of it because it's yeah, it, it's drowning in water. <clears throat> Excuse me for that, I apologize. But, you know, like I said, I mean, I'll eat the omelet, you know, I'll chop that up at lunch and put it in uh, some rice or something. But uh, after breakfast, after, you know, either I'm working or I'm just waiting to come out. You know, I come out for pod rec, Um In the mornings, we usually get two hours. Um, every other day and uh, on the other days we'll get like an hour and a half of pod wreck per tier because so they don't let the bottom tier out with the top tier and they don't let the top tier out with the bottom tier except for when we go outside for wreck and uh, that's the reason why we get an hour and a half one day and because we'll get an hour outside on the wreck yard and they'll put the bottom and the top tier on the same wreck yard so we're outside we get outside wreck together but we don't get pod wreck together um, which makes no damn sense, but honestly, I'm fine with it because it just makes it easier to get on the phone. It makes it easier for me to talk and record these episodes without having a whole bunch of people screaming and yelling because um, I just I almost got to fight the other night. He had this one guy. Uh, he pulled up on a dude that was using my phone, um, this dude named Little Homie, and uh dude pulled up on him like, yo, man, that's my phone. I want that phone. I'm trying to use that phone. Little homie looked at him like, man, I don't know who the hell you talking to. So, dude ain't say nothing. He walked away. So, when I came up, I told little homie, man, when you're done, let me know. He was he's like, man, I'm with New York. I'm like, I don't care what New York said. This is my damn phone. So, evidently, when little homie got off, he, he called me. I got on the phone, and uh, I started talking to a buddy named John in Missouri, and uh little homie pulled up on New York and said, Look, man, I don't appreciate you talking to me like that. So, dude, New York, man, you you know who I am, son? I'm going to kill son. I'm blah, blah, blah. And he just started doing it. So little homie didn't want to fight him because he had some stuff in the cell that he ain't want to get so off with. So little homie just backed off of him. Dude over there standing under the steps just screaming as loud as he can, getting the CO's attention. You know, the CO don't care, man. She... she she't she actually cool as she can be. she's just sitting up there holding a the gun like man y'all wanna fight fight, I don't give a damn. and uh, it just it got so loud. I'm like I just had to tell John, yo look man dude, you know I, I can't do this no more I'm done man. and uh, cause I can barely hear I, I can barely hear what the man was saying to me. so I hung up and uh I mean, I didn't hang up on John even he knew I was hanging up. and uh, I pulled I, you know, as I was walking to the steps, I said a quick prayer. Like, you know, Lord, look, man, I don't want this to go sideways, but if it does, it does. You know, give me favor, but I'm, I'm saying, so I'm tired of I'm tired of this, man. I'm tired of being treated like this. And by the time I finished the prayer, I was standing right there under the steps with him. I said, look, man, I'm getting, I, dude, I can't hear on the phone, man. I'm getting tired of y'all screaming and arguing and yelling, and y'all ain't fighting. Y'all ain't doing nothing. All y'all doing is running y'all miles, man. I'm sick of it. Show me the same respect I show you. Do, do look, him Just between me and that black man, I don't give a damn who was between. I'm sick and tired of me coming out here trying to talk to my family and my loved ones, and I can't hear them because y'all acting like a little bitch. And I just looked at, him, you know, saying, oh, 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 "Okay, okay oh, oh, all, right, all right, all right," and uh, and I, I walked away. So he still said a few things to old boy. You know, he's still running his mouth and whatnot, but he was doing it quiet. He, 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 he wasn't screaming at the top of his damn lungs. I mean, I'm serious, I'm, uh, I'm so tired of dealing with children. But this is the funny thing, though. That night, he had to realize he screwed up because little homie was gonna get him. And honestly, I was at the point where I was ready to just slap taste out of his mouth myself. But uh, you know, thank thank God I didn't do anything. But the next morning, the dude woke up and we was all out here for pod wreck, and I was a, uh, I'd got a haircut. Little John cut my hair, and I turned around and I was cutting Little John's hair. So everybody was out on the bottom tier except for one person, a preacher. He stayed in the cell. So this dude New York, he's standing down there by the steps. He steps back, and we got it. We had a new officer working in the booth, and uh, she doesn't know anybody over here. So he's like, "Yo, I'm trying to go up." Locked down, cell four. So the dude show off was looking like, yo, what, hold up. my damn cell, cause New York is in cell nine. So they actually opened cell four. So dude runs in the cell and they close the door. He's in there running around and show off had actually told me later on, he's like, yo, look, he said, man, I don't know what it was, but something was telling me, man, put my TV up, put my TV up. So he actually wrapped his television up and it stuffed it under the bed behind some you know some clothes and some other stuff so dude grabbed his commissary so the dude show off he did snitch i'm not gonna lie he did snitch he was right. he he's like yo sexton man why you open my door why you let this dude in my cell so they opened the door and the dude came out with his commissary and he walked up here to where the phones are and he sat down on a little box that i'm sitting on right now and I was sitting there thinking, like, okay, you know, I mean, you go, man, you're going to open it up, dump it on the floor? You gonna, he just stood there and just sat there. So by this time, the CO in the booth had called the floor officers and the sergeant and everything, so they come running in the park, pull up on, dude, yo, man, what the hell are you doing, man, blah, blah, blah. Dude, like, yeah, I'll get locked up for this. Yo, I'll get locked up for this. Man, dude, you checking in, bro. You checking in. Yeah. You ain't do nothing to little homie. I'll pull up on you under the steps because I was ready to go. I'll fight you under the steps. And the reason why, you know, guys want to do it under the steps is when they start to shoot, they can't shoot through them steps. But this is the thing. They're not shooting rubber bullets at you anymore. They're shooting these little ceramic balls that are filled with tear gas. So they're just simply going to shoot the steps and the gas is going to go everywhere. Whatever, man. I'll fight you wherever you want to fight. I don't give a damn. So, like... That stuff that you have to deal with in here, but yeah, dude was a straight up bitch, man. I just, yeah, I just, I had no respect for that. But that's, the, I mean, that's that's a part of my day, you know, having to deal with stuff like that. You know, so that's why I like to get up early in the morning and pray because it helps center me. It helps remind me of what I'm doing. It reminds me of what path I'm on, the life I've chosen to live. When I come out for Podrick, um. Usually, I, I'm either on the phone or I'm on the kiosk. Though the kiosk has been broken for a month now, um, you know, which is extremely frustrating. Because I know for a fact I'm going to lose people, uh, friends, think that I cut them off or whatnot. But I mean, that's you know, I mean that is what it is. It's prison life. You know, that stuff happens. You're going to have to deal with it. But if I'm not on the phone or if I'm not on the kiosk, usually me and little John just walk circles around the pod. And we just, you know, we talk about growing up in the country. We talk about the mountains and hunting and fishing. We'll talk about, they got this, uh, they got this pretty cool show on, uh, on the history channel called alone. You know, and it's where these people go out there and they get like a five square mile radius, um, that they, they have to stay in and they have to survive off the land. And the last person standing wins $500,000. You get like 10 items that you can choose from, um, most people now, most people are choosing the bow and arrow because they realize, man, you can't stay out there for very long trapping rats, you know, or rabbits. You need fat, and rabbit has no fat on it. But uh, you know, stuff like that. So you know, me and him usually we just we just talk. Um, then by that time, you know, lunch comes around. Um, when I'm in the cell, I'm either reading, or you know, I'm writing something. Um, you know, I'm working on a full-length uh, fantasy series. Uh. Called the Unchained God. Uh, I just started working on an actual another children's story, but this time it's more like a a, a picture book, like a children's bedtime story. I mean, I just, I do I do stuff like that. That's you know that's pretty much my day. Whenever I get pod wrecked, I come out. You know, I try the phone. If I get due to somebody, you know, I talk. If I don't, you know, when the kiosk is working, I you know I'll sit at the kiosk and you know, try to type as many emails as I can as fast as I can, which <laughs> isn't very fast because I don't know how to type, though I have been starting to pick it up somewhat. You know, I make myself work out. Usually I work out around 5, you know, in the afternoon. That way, uh, you know, I, it usually gives me about an hour to an hour and a half um, to either do cardio or to try to, you know, to build you know, some muscle and whatnot, you know, do push-ups, upside-down push-ups, um, some curls with the bag, weight bag, that, you know I fill with paper and magazines and stuff or you know I just I do cardio so, you know I do cardio I do a lot of burpees um I love burpees I hate them while I'm doing them because they're so hard especially the way I do them but you know when I'm not doing them I love them because I mean if you could only if I could only ever choose one exercise to do for the rest of my life it would be a burpee um you know cuz the only thing it doesn't work is your upper back and then you know uh, if we're lucky we get a uh, We get a half an hour of pod rec on night shift, in which I'll come out and take a shower. Otherwise, I just, you know, I'm forced to take a bath in the sink. And, you know, I may watch a little bit of TV or usually just read some books. I'm to the point where I hate television. But, uh, you know, when I don't have enough books to read, I make myself watch it. and Then I go to sleep at 10 o'clock. You know, that's that's a life in the day for me here. answer the other part of your question, how do I maintain my sanity in here? Good question. I have touched on that before in several different episodes, if I remember correctly, but I don't think I've ever really gone into full, full detail on that, so I'm going to do that now. The first thing is my faith. Now, I'm not going to sit here and preach to you as much as I would actually enjoy doing that, because, quite frankly, most of what modern Christianity teaches is complete opposite of what the Bible actually says, but maybe I'll save that for some other day. But every morning, I get on my knees, and I spend that first part of my day somewhere between 40 to 60 minutes praying to God. You know, my faith is very, very important to me. It's what gives me hope. It's what strengthens me and helps me to deal with the stuff in here, you know, along with my friends and the people who reach out to me and say that I'm helping them and so on and so forth. Then, I do my Bible study, and I do actual Bible studies. I don't just read the Bible, you know, a chapter two or here or there or whatnot and call that a Bible study. Like, I do in-depth Bible studies, so much so that I actually write out my Bible studies in book form. And usually each Bible study is around 80 to 90 pages front and back. And most of them I don't have no spaces in them or any no paragraphs. It's just from the top of the paper all the way to the bottom of the paper using every single square inch that I can use on it. One got to save money because don't have a whole lot, but you know I'm doing good though. but like that stuff helps me and like I get to sit there and when I when I'm done with it and I see it, you know and I'll reread it and everything make sure you know I'm right and I don't have any mistakes or anything like that it gives me a sense of accomplishment and that really helps me because I'm a creative person. I like to create, I like to build, I like to do stuff like that. So, you know, that's what really helps me. I just, instead of, you know, building like some popsicle castle or whatnot, though, I can't do that in here, but it's like, it's the same thing. You know what I'm saying? I just, I build with my words instead. Um, I work out. I have to work out though. I will admit for about the last month I have really struggled with it so much so that last week I actually had to pray and ask God to give me my hunger back to work out because I had lost it. And uh, like, all I wanted to do was lay in the bed but thankfully God answered that prayer and I had a couple of friends of mine Paulie uh, and John shamed me into working out again. But uh, you know I, I needed it so I'll, I'll let them slide with it. I won't, I won't beat them up over it when I get out of prison. But you know, because it just it gives you that stress release. I don't care where you're at, how much you can do. If you can only work out for four minutes a day, work out for four minutes a day. Get something in because something, after a while, adds up to a whole, whole lot. You know, I mean, think about it. If every day you walk by a room and you throw a couple quarters or something and there's some change in there, and you do that for 10 years, guess what? Eventually that room is going to fill up with quarters that's a lot of money right there. It might only be a little bit at a time, but it adds up. So I do the same thing with my workouts. Some days I do more, some days I do less, but I'm, you know, I try to do something at least six days a week. But the main thing that helps me is I create stories. I fantasize, I daydream, you know, that helps me to maintain my sanity as just about nothing else does because that's my escapism. That's what I can go into my mind, I can go into this world that I created where I'm the god, I have the power, I have the authority, and and my will be done. Like, you know, I have that power over these characters, over these monsters, over these bad guys, over these heroes and these good guys and these just average Joes just trying to make a living. Like, I control the day-to-day aspects in there because I have no control in here. I I don't control when I get to eat. I don't control when I get to come out the cell. I don't get to control when I can use the phone or, you know, I can take a shower. I'm at the CO's mercy when it comes to what I can or cannot do. So I have to find areas in my life where I do have control. And for me, that's in my stories. And that's what helped me save myself from going insane in solitary and here in prison, I still do it to this day, even though I am in population, even though I do have a television now, you know, even though you know I have friends who do buy some books and send them to me and I can read a little bit more than I used to and so on and so forth, I still love to create stories. I still love to go back and look at some of my stories and you know, to visit some old friends because they are old friends. In some ways, it's just like a child creates an invisible friend when they're a child. I had to create Invisible Friends in here even though I am a grown man because it allowed me to create.
1: You have one minute remaining.
0: Creation is what we're supposed to do. We should always be creating because it helps us. It helps us to feel good about ourselves and it helps us to to be better than what we are. Um, But, yeah, thank you for your question, no name. I appreciate it and I appreciate the opportunity to share my stories with you all. This has been Red Onion Randy. Don't forget to check out my website, redonionrandy.com, and my Twitter account, at Red Onion Randy. If you want to ask me a question, you can call my toll-free number in the U.S., 1-888-524-1932. And for all international calls outside of the U.S., all you have to do is add a plus in front of the one. Take care. Stay safe. I'm actually going to share the very first story, the very first character I created. Uh, because I've never, I've talked about this numerous times, but I've never actually given y'all, I don't, at least I don't think I have, I've ever given y'all, you know, like actual details of one of my stories. So, this is it. Hold on, I'm grabbing it right here because I actually have it written down. My character's name was uh, Liam Hawksblood, and uh, he was the son of a hunter, a uh, hunter. You know, the mother had passed away in childbirth, and, you know, the father, he, that's what he did. He was a trapper, he was a hunter. So he would go up into the mountains a lot of times, you know, by himself or with his wife, and now with, you know, my character, his son, and he hunts and traps for furs and bones and meats and stuff of that nature, scales and everything. You I got a whole bunch of weird animals in there. You know, I've got one, I got one called a dragoreen. Now, picture a wolverine, like the size of an elephant, but longer, and he's covered in dragon scales. He has no wings. He looks just like a wolverine, but he's no fur, just covered in dragon scales. Like, this is a bad mother- Right. I mean, if you know anything about wolverines, you know, they will literally chase a full-grown male grizzly bear off of their kill. Like, these are, these are some nasty little motherfuckers. Oh, imagine them the size bigger than an elephant, and covered in dragon scales. But there's a way to kill them, and the way that you kill them is you gotta have a good spear, and well, you gotta have some balls because you gotta get them to chase you, and you have to run up, a, you know, like a tree or like a cliff face. And you know how you got some people who run up it, and then when they get to the top of their run, they'll flip over backwards. Well, that's what you have to do, and you have to have that spear, and the dragoreen will run up after you. And when you turn around, you have to come down leading with the spear, and you got to aim it into his mouth. And at the roof of your mouth, you've got a soft spot that goes straight up into your brain, and that's how you kill him, because that's literally the only way you can kill him. So he hunts those, and uh, he's a good fighter. He's not a trained fighter, but he's a hunter. And uh, so he knows—see, that's the, now, let me explain something. People always talk about me being a fighter, me being a fighter. I actually, in real life, I don't view myself as a fighter. And the reason why is this. You have a warrior, you have a soldier. See, when they go into a contest with someone, they fight against that person. This is where a hunter differs from a warrior or a soldier. When a fighter, I mean, when a hunter goes into it, he kills he doesn't fight the person. He simply kills them. And that's when I'm in my fantasy mode, that's how I look at myself. All my characters that I created in my head, they all have that standing, and I'll always put it in there because like, that's the way it should be in that environment, in that setting. You know, I don't want to sit there and just bang swords against one another for half an hour until somebody makes a mistake. No, I'm just going to flow through your defense, and I'm going to take you out. So... That's the way the father is and that's the way he taught his son. Um, so one day they came across um Master Lockhorn's wife and granddaughter being attacked uh, in an ambush. Um you now Master Lockhorn he was the grandmaster of this fighting school in this uh in this world that I created. I don't even remember the name of the world. It's been so long ago, but uh It was like this really, really, really prestigious school for fighters. And um, his daughters had actually died, but his granddaughters were still alive. And um, they was coming back from the sea on vacation. The granddaughters wanted to go and visit the beaches and stuff like that. And it's somewhat similar to our world, just modern-day technology or stuff like that. But uh, so my character Liam's Hawkblood and his father – they came across it and they helped him, and you know they saved their lives. But in the process of it, my character's father died, and uh my character was still around 13 years old. So he was still young. Yeah, he could have survived on his own. He knew how to live in the woods and everything. But the grandmother, uh, Master Lockhorn's wife, was like, "No, you're coming with us." And she was a very forceful personality. So, you know, old boy, he just went ahead and hit a bait and went with her. So. What happened was, you know, when they got back, back to the school, of course the grandmother and the granddaughter told the uh, Master Lockhorn what had happened and everything. And Master Lockhorn had given, uh, you know, him a uh, permission to join that school. He paid for his tuition out of his own pocket and so on and so forth. There was one teacher who was like, "No, this dude is not royal blood. He's freaking. He's a peasant." And Master Lockhorn said, "He saved my wife and my granddaughter's life. Do you really want to push this issue?" And he put his hand on his sword hilt. And the teacher got to the point, you know, well, this would probably be a good time for me to shut up. And he did. So a couple of years go by, and he's in the school, and he's training, and he's learning. And, yeah, you know, he's kind of shunned and everything, and, uh, because he is a peasant and everybody else there is of royal blood, or their fathers are merchants who are exceedingly rich. You know, like some of them are richer than some kings and uh So they get to go there and all that stuff. So he's, you know, kind of feeling alone and everything. And uh, him and Master Lockhorn's granddaughter, Sarah, they actually wind up developing feelings for one another because, you know, Liam helped save her life, lost his father to save her life and her sister's life and her grandmother's life. So, like, they never shunned him. Like, he was always invited to, you know, to their little living quarters for dinner and you know, to talk and some extra training and stuff like that. You know, he received an education. He learned how to read and write and speak a couple of languages while he was there. And uh, so they, they fell in love. And uh, one day, let's face it, man, you got to have some drama. You had this prince, you know, very tall, very handsome, very good looking, you know, sophisticated, urbane, stuff like that. He was just an arrogant dick, though. Know? And uh, so he pulled up on Sir Robert, man, why are you with this? cousin? like, you should be with a man like me. Like, I'm a real man. Like, he's nothing. He's trash. He's garbage. He's beneath you. And um, she was like, no, I love him, blah, blah, blah. So he just grabbed her and kissed her. And, of course, that's when my character Liam walks around the corner and sees it. And it looks like she's kissing him back. And when old boy lets go, she turns and sees him out the corner of her eye. And he just—he's—he's he's upset. Like he doesn't hear anything. He sees red, and he just turns and walks. And she runs after him. Oh no, stop, stop! And uh, so he goes into the uh, the mess hall. And in the mess hall, it's a big room. You know, obviously, y'all know what a mess hall is. And uh, at the back where the teachers sit, there's a platform. And there's these thirteen steps that go up from the platform up to this wall. And there's like this magical door there. And it's got this rim going around it. Um, I can't think of what it's actually called, but uh, like an arch thing. And it's got these magical symbols on it. And before anyone can stop him, before anyone really knows what's going on, he opens the door and walks in and closes. it. And once a person goes in, only one person can enter at a time. And it's magically sealed after. You cannot come out until you figure out how it is. So when he goes in there, you know, everybody else on the backside, some of the teachers, some of the people that are kind of cool with him, they do respect him. And obviously, Sarah, like, they're distraught and devastated because nobody in tens of thousands of years have gone in and actually walked out. Now, when he gets in there, there's, uh, there's like, just tons of skeletons. Some of them are so old that when he, when he touches them, they just turn to dust. Some of them have been petrified. Some of them are still fresh. Some of them still have, like, meat and stuff, you know, like little clothing and whatnot hanging off of them. And there's there's just, like, scratches on the door from fingernails. And there's just, like, piles of fingernails, in you know, there where people have tried to scratch their way out before they starved to death. And uh, there's just only one strange anomaly. There's, like, a crystal clear sword blade sticking out of the wall chest height. And uh, it, it's... That's it. There's no handle. It's just a sword blade sticking out. So, you know, Liam, in his anguish and grief, he just he just basically lays down and wants to die. Like he's hurting. He's in real, real pain. I mean, think about it. Like his father gave his life for her and her family, and this is how he she betrays him like that. Like he can't get it out of his mind. I mean, you know, remember he's by this time he's like 13, I mean, excuse me, he's like sixteen or seventeen. And, uh, you know, so he's still young. He's still, you know, somewhat inexperienced in life and all that stuff, especially in love. And uh, so he just lays in a a ball curled up and everything, and he cries himself to sleep. And he does that for, like, a couple of days. And then he just finally he kind of gets up, and he just looks around, and he's so despondent. It's like, screw it. And he walks over to the sword blade, and he puts it right where his heart is, and he just throws himself on the sword blade to kill himself. But that's the secret to the sword, because the sword is called the sword of blood. And when he does it, like, it draws all the blood out of him, and it fills that sword with blood, and it it changes it from crystal clear to the blood sword. And then it puts the blood back in it, but the blade still has the color of blood in it, because it still has some of his blood. He didn't give all of it back, he kept enough of it to fill it, and that connects him with the sword and like it gives him like enhanced enhanced abilities it makes him stronger it makes him faster it gives him better balance better endurance agility quickness reflexes like i mean it really basically in some ways turns him into a super soldier he can still be defeated but you're gonna have to be really 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 freaking good to do it or you're just gonna have to have a lot of men and just throw waves of them at him. so he realizes that he's still alive. He pulls himself off the sword, and that's the crazy thing. Like, there's no pain when he pulls it out. There was pain when he pushed it in, but there was no pain when he pulls the sword out, and it's got the handle there, and he's got the uh, the scabbard is magically around his waist and everything. So he sheaths it, and the door opens. And when he walks out the door, years have gone by. And so the girl that he was in love with She's already moved on. She's already gotten married. Thankfully, not to the super dick, but uh, you know, another decent guy. You know, they've had kids and everything, and um, which is a good thing because the sword will allow Liam, my character, to stay alive until he is defeated, until he is put down, and when he does die, the sword will automatically go back into that room, and that room is completely sealed until the sword is back in there. So that was the very first story that I created, and that's what helped me save myself from going insane. Thank you for using GTL.